Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into today's episode of SpongeBob, we got to look into the past. So let's look at this week in Nickelodeon history. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. All right, this week we start 28 years ago on February 6th, 1993, the very last episode of Double Dare aired on Nickelodeon. Now, Double Dare from its start in 1986 went through a few facelifts, a few changes going from uh, Family Double Dare, Super Sloppy Double Dare, Super Special Double Dare. Um, the, they did end with Family Double Dare with a uh, Tournament of Champions on February 6th, 1993. Uh, I have a lot of love for Double Dare as a game show, as a, as a franchise. Um, they brought it back in 2000 for a year, and then they brought it back for a year in 2018, ending all the way in 2019. I feel like the show deserves to be on television. Uh, it sucks to see that those two revivals, uh, both different and good in their own right, weren't able to capture the same magic that that original show did. Uh, but also even the original show having to change formats in, um, in terms of, you know, adding in families instead of just having kids. And uh, maybe that was just a facelift that they couldn't keep going after a while. But uh, Double Dare is by far my favorite Nickelodeon game show of all time. Um, and, and who knows, down the road, they'll probably bring Double Dare back again. Um, uh, we, one can only hope. Uh, I didn't really watch too much of the revival um, it was nice to see Mark Summers come back, and I actually met Mark Summers when they did Double Dare Live throughout the country, which I got to see twice, actually. Uh, one was a free show, and the other I actually paid for, like VIP. Um, got to meet Mark Summers, got him to sign in green uh, paint with a green paint marker. I had him sign the NES Double Dare game, uh, which was really cool and probably one of the one of the best items I own. Is that is that game? But uh, and that was a crazy week. Total, just an anecdote right here. Uh, in that week, I not only met Mark Summers, went to Double Dare Live, but like three days later, I hung out with Pete and Pete themselves, Danny Tamborelli and Michael Morona, doing a live version of their show, The Adventures of Danny and Mike. Which, by if if you're a fan of classic Nickelodeon, go check their podcast out. Uh, I've been a fan since day one, and meeting those guys was an absolute awesome time. Uh, I can't wait till when the pandemic is over for them to kind of go around the country again because. Uh, if you ever get the chance, pay for their VIP meet and greet. They're absolutely wonderful guys. They don't mind hanging out with the fans. They hung out with with us after the show a little bit. And then that Sunday, I went to WrestleMania. Not a Nickelodeon thing whatsoever, but within a week, uh, Mark Summers, Pete and Pete, WrestleMania. That was probably one of the best weeks of my life. But let's circle back around to this week in Nickelodeon history. Uh, 24 years ago, on February 2nd, 1998, we saw the debut of the Gullah Gullah Island spinoff miniseries Binya Binya and on February 6th 1998 we saw the finale of the Gullah Gullah Island spinoff Binya Binya now for those that don't know Gullah Gullah Island one of its hallmarks one of its kind of main drawing pieces is uh, the Binya frog which is this giant yellow bipedal cartoonish looking polywog um, and he was kind of like the uh, I, I don't want to say Barney because he wasn't always the center of attention whereas Barney is but to where Barney 
is a person in a suit interacting with human characters. That that was the Binya Frog. Uh, so he was very popular, definitely the mascot of the show. And I guess they ran this really like short form miniseries called Binya Binya. Uh, it's been pretty much lost to time. I remember going down this rabbit hole a little bit uh, when we crossed. Uh, actually, no, we didn't cross. I don't know if I mentioned on an episode there. There was like this discrepancy on whether or not Gullah Gullah Island uh, was like where the first or last episode was. I don't know, but I, I ended up leaving it out. But while I was going down this rabbit hole, I found that there was five episodes made of this show called Binya Binya that was never broadcast after its initial airing. It was never released on home video. Um, the only footage up to 2017 was promo advertising. And then I least as of two years ago, uh, episode four completely surfaced online. So uh, very crazy, very bizarre uh, circumstances with that show. I don't know why Nickelodeon just even now for their catalog just doesn't release it on on their YouTube channel. At least it's got to be sitting there in the vault somewhere. But uh, but yeah, 24 years ago, 17 years ago, the uh, final episode of Little Bill on uh, Nick Jr. aired on February 6th, 2004. The less said about those who worked behind the scenes on Little Bill, uh, especially at the top, uh, is more of a positive. Uh, although the show of Little Bill is actually fairly good for um, your your average preschool age uh, child, I watched somewhat of it, but it definitely was. It's weird because I used to watch Blue's Clues, even though I kind of grew out of it, because it was still somewhat enjoyable, and Steve was definitely. Uh, a really fun person to watch on that show. Little Bill kind of aiming for the same age range, just not as entertaining in my opinion. But uh, yeah, so Little Bill, t- 17 years ago. 14 years ago on February 3rd, 2007, the Naked Brothers Band debuted on Nickelodeon. The Naked Brothers Band was a mockumentary of sorts of a, of a kid band starring uh, Nat Wolf and Alex Wolf, uh, completely created by their mother, Polly Draper, uh, who executive produced the series. So for those that, you know, can imagine like how The Office, uh, like they know that there's cameras in the room. That's kind of how the the Naked, Bro- the Naked Brothers Band was kind of presented. Uh, I was definitely not a fan of this show. I don't know if, <laughs> if all of you can think of an example of a show that you see a promo of and you're like, I don't. I'm not going to like that show. Uh, and, and you never know until you see it. You can't really judge a book by its cover. But then after you watch it, you go, I knew I wasn't going to like that show. Uh, it certainly was not my my cup of tea at the time. Uh, it actually was spun off of a movie version uh, of the Naked Brothers Band from 2005. Kind of, a, a once again, a mockumentary of Nat and... Uh, his brother, although their father, Michael Wolf, is actually known for being the uh, band leader of their Arsenio Hall show. Uh, so they definitely had ties in entertainment. Nat Wolf, to their credit, both brothers have seemingly gone on to star in big properties. Uh, I know that Nat Wolf was recently in 2017 in the Netflix adaptation of Death Note. Uh, keep, <laughs> keep your opinions to yourself. I appreciate that. Uh, Alex Wolf, though, was not only a part of of uh juma the whole jumanji series the new ones being one of the main characters uh he was also in one of my favorite horror movies of all time hereditary uh if you if you're under the age of 18 do not look that movie up it will scar you um let's see nine years ago uh, how to rock premiered on february 4th 2012 
Uh, never seen the show and only lasted one season and pretty much, I think, ended by that December. So it's a bit of a shame. Uh, eight years ago, on February 3rd, 2013, we had the final episode of Victorious. Victorious for me is the last Nickelodeon show where I was watching episodes live. I would I would tape episodes I would miss. And I actually fairly enjoyed the show. Um, and it would be kind of the last show I had while I, I still had cable um, that, that I really enjoyed. The show stars Victoria Justice playing a character called Tori, uh, entering Hollywood Arts, a uh, performing arts school for talented teens. Uh, the show has a, a wide cast of characters, all like, look, it's one of those shows where it's like all these characters are completely different, have completely different personalities, aren't really into some of the same things, but they all kind of fit in this friend group. And it's really nice to see. Uh, I... I extraordinarily enjoyed this show. Uh, the humor was really funny. It was on point. Maybe I was just the right age for it at the time. Uh, but I but I fairly enjoyed Victorious, and I definitely think on a, on a second or third watch through, I believe if it's still on Netflix, I would give it a shot. Uh, Victorious would definitely be followed by uh, the spinoff Sam and Cat, which is both a spinoff of iCarly and Victorious, not as good of a show, and possibly led to Jeanette McCurdy announcing her retirement from acting. Um, it, it, the, that show just went through a whole kind of mess uh, with... Because it was pretty much right at the time where Ariana Grande, who you might know is the, the world-famous pop star, she actually starred on Victorious as Cat Valentine, one of the one of the better characters on the show, one of the real fun ones. She was extraordinarily uh, uh, acted by Ariana Grande, and it was a character that, in the wrong hands, just wouldn't work, would come off pretty annoying, and she might still, but I think Ariana played that character with heart. Uh, but, but yeah, Victorious ended 2013. After that, we have five years ago, a Paradise Run premiered on February 1st, 2016. That seemed so familiar, and it's because on a previous episode, we mentioned how it ended on January 26th, 2018. So it lasted around two years on the air there. Four years ago, Wally Kazam premiered on February 3rd, 2017. Another little quick anecdote about Wally Kazam. I was babysitting my cousin's kid once. When this, I don't know what season of the show was on at the time. It was only two seasons, but they were having an episode guest starring Tony Bennett. And I only know this because they had a commercial like advertising this special, and they were really pushing the fact that Tony Bennett was going to be on Wally Kazam. And it just seemed so weird because I'm sitting here. It's early in the morning. It's Nick Jr. I know that they're definitely advertising it for parents, but it just like putting myself... In a in a kid's point of view for a second, it was just like, who who is Tony Bennett? Why why do we care about this? But definitely a move for parents. But yeah, I I never forget that commercial because it just blew my mind for like for like ten minutes. Like why why do they think kids know and care who Tony Bennett is? But uh, four years ago, uh, in the same week, February sixth, twenty twenty seventeen, Nella, the Princess Knight, premiered on Nick Jr. Only lasted two seasons of there, so definitely not one of their bigger hits, but uh, I had actually never even heard of it until until research for this. And we end up with two years ago, Lip Sync Shorties, or Lip Sync Battle Shorties, I apologize, ended its two-season run on February 1st, 2019. Of course, spun off from the very popular Lip Sync Battle over on Spike, uh, featured kids 
uh, doing the same kind of lip sync tributes to 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 songs hosted by Nick Cannon and Jojo Siwa. All right. Before we get into today's episode, Wormy, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. 2,000 years later. And we're back. And this week's episode is season two's Wormy, which is actually the 50th episode in production order of SpongeBob SquarePants, which also makes this the 50th episode of the SquareCast. So let's uh, let's celebrate this occasion, tip our hats, clink our glasses, 50 episodes. Uh, but we couldn't ask for a better 50th episode in Wormy. It is actually... Uh, the 25th episode of season two first premiered February 24th, 2001. It was written by Walt Dorn, Paul Tibbet, and Meriwether Williams. Uh, was directed by Walt Dorn and Paul Tibbet. The storyboard was done by Jim Schumann. The animation was done by Andrew Overtoom, and the creative was, as always, Derek Dryman. This is a very classic SpongeBob scenario. Um, usually involving SpongeBob and Patrick getting mixed up in some crazy situation or their ideas of a situation, kind of their imagination just kind of supersedes them. And um, as seen in so many other episodes, can get others involved. Um, we will see in an eventual episode where SpongeBob becomes obsessed with the idea that robots are taking over the planet because of a movie he watched and actually convinces Squidward of this tragedy. Um, so when they get involved and they get as as excited as they can over a situation, they can convince the entire town of a problem. Uh, this problem actually starts in Sandy's tree dome, where Sandy is uh, going over the routines of her animals as she is stepping away for seemingly a day or two and giving SpongeBob and Patrick the responsibility of feeding her pets. Sandy has a lot of pets living underwater. And we could probably spend about an hour going over the livelihood of any of these animals actually surviving in this habitat under the water. But it's it's just interesting nonetheless. SpongeBob and Patrick during this time become infatuated with one of Sandy's pets, that of a little green worm called Wormy. It's super adorable. Uh, I love the beginning of this episode, especially... Uh, the That's What Friends Do song. It's one of my favorite little SpongeBob jingles they've had, um, showing a montage of SpongeBob and Patrick doing various activities with Wormy. And he seemingly gets involved 
with the two, uh, especially when they're playing hide and seek with one another. Uh, Wormy seems to be uh, just as sentient as any other animals we've seen and and therefore kind of plays along, although he's not able to really do much given the fact that he's seemingly just a worm or a caterpillar. I don't know. There's a lot of weird animal stuff in this episode. Uh, the, the plot of it thickens when after one full day of hanging out with Wormy, hanging out in Sandy's tree dome, SpongeBob and Patrick have to go home for the night, during which seemingly Wormy uh, creates a chrysalis, a cocoon, if you will, and emerges by the morning as a monarch butterfly. Um, now, looking into some butterfly research, I am as much as I love butterflies, and there is this wonderful butterfly museum up in Massachusetts here. Um, as far as like information pulling from the top of my head, uh, I don't know some of this stuff. Uh, but apparently, the um, the transformation for a monarch butterfly happens to be ten to sixteen days in the chrysalis stage when changing into a butterfly. So. The overnight part seems really weird, and it's a cartoon. I'm definitely willing to overlook that uh, that part. It just definitely uh, wormy. Maybe it's an underwater thing. Maybe with all that pressure underwater, it, it happens to speed up the process. Uh, one thing to mention here is that when Patrick is uh, whistling to one of Sandy's birds, SpongeBob remarks, I didn't know you spoke bird. Patrick replies, no, that's Italian. If you actually watch this episode in Italy, the Italian version mentions that it's Spanish. Uh, that's that's pretty funny. They they had to, <laughs> they had to change that in the world. Uh, but so Wormy changes into a monarch butterfly. The crux of this episode happens when SpongeBob and Patrick go back to Sandy's the next morning, can't find Wormy, and are stuck with this weird butterfly. That when they look up close to it. The audience gets this up-close shot of a very scary-looking bug, which actually is, in fact, not a butterfly. The uh, The up-close shot of, uh, of the bug itself is a horsefly. Um, now, there is also footage of a butterfly uh, coming out of its cocoon that was used. Looking into it, a lot of the footage of the live-action stuff used was a lot of royalty-free, uh, owned by Oxford Scientific Films. Uh, all of them of which can be found on Getty Images if you would like to license those images out or those videos or whatnot. Um, the, the footage of the emerging butterfly was actually used in Microsoft's encyclopedia service, Microsoft Encarta 95. And uh, the this is weird. The, the up-close shot of the horsefly actually uh, showed up in the episode of Bill Nye the Science Guy called Insects. So you can check that out if you really want to see uh, more of that horsefly shot. But when SpongeBob and Patrick view uh, Wormy up close in his monarch butterfly form, they are seeing a terrifying bug, a monster. They think that this monster ate Wormy, that it's not actually Wormy because they don't know anything about uh, uh, caterpillars, cocoons, butterflies. They've never heard of any of this stuff as far as they're concerned. When they left, their buddy Wormy was in this jar, and when they came back, this monster had eaten him, and now this monster is free. Uh, what What's super super hilarious about this is Wormy is able to escape Sandy's tree dome by use of a bubble and is then able to fly around Bikini Bottom. Uh, SpongeBob and Patrick try to run to the Krusty Krab to warn everybody that a monster is coming, a, a, an eating monster. It's going to destroy you. Of course... Squidward and Mr. Krabs, rightfully at first, kind of scoff off the two's idea, but then, of course, Wormy comes flying into the Krusty Krab, and once Squidward and Mr. Krabs get the up-close shot of the bug as well, they run in fear, whereas SpongeBob and Patrick 
uh, completely miss this encounter and assume that once again, Wormy has now uh, eaten two more of their friends along with Wormy. And we get this really, you get this really cute shot of uh, SpongeBob using little finger puppets of Mr. Krab, Squidward, and Wormy to kind of show that all their friends are dying. It's one of those moments, and it's it's just kind of a dark, morbid moment because they think their friends are uh, they're being eaten by a monster. But SpongeBob is just going to pull out little custom-made finger puppets. Uh, it's it's very cute. Um, when they are putting up the the warning sign of the uh, butterfly of Wormy, uh, the butterfly used on the poster is actually a viceroy butterfly instead of a monarch. Uh, both are similar in their designs and their warning patterns, and actually they're similar in their defense mechanisms. But they're two completely different species of butterfly. Uh, but it, it's a small mistake. I, I don't know who knows if he, if it was even a mistake. Maybe it was done intentionally just to kind of point out who the insect nerds are. Uh, total possibility. Uh, so during this time, there is a there is a montage of SpongeBob and Patrick warning the town of this impending doom of this butterfly in a bubble flying around. The town completely destroys itself in fear of this monster. There is fire. There is destruction. There, more destruction is happening at the fear of this so-called monster than Wormy is actually doing because he's just flying around. It's 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 very comical. We get a nice little gag here as well. One of my favorites of the uh, of the stop sign and the the green light, the red light, where crowds of people are stuck at a red light waiting for other crowds of people or the monster to cross and then able to cross the road. It's a little sight gag. I, I enjoy it. Uh, at some point, a few days later, Sandy returns to the town in which she is immediately met by this kind of post-apocalyptic world in which she then come across as Wormy and is able to capture him in a jar. Everybody in the town jumps for joy, screams for excitement that Sandy caught, uh, caught the, the monster. Um, at first, the, the amount of cheering Sandy just re thinks that she just was missed a really uh, good amount uh, in town. But they're cheering for the fact that she caught this so-called monster. Uh, interesting fact about this episode. This is the first time that Sandy's design has evolved to have her tail outside of her spacesuit underwater or her underwater suit. Uh, everything in season one that we've seen of Sandy had her tail inside of her suit when she was underwater, which at first would make sense, but I think as a design, her tail being on the outside just gives Sandy a little bit more expression in a way. Um, it just fills out her character a, a lot more. I, I like that design change. Clearly in season two, they were making these little tweaks, like with Patrick's eyebrows, Sandy's suit. Uh, all of them are welcome additions to the show. I, all of these additions. I, I can't, I can't, I've never seen one that I disagreed with. Um, but that is the episode of Wormy. Uh, it, it is a very classic SpongeBob and Patrick uh, mistake episode. We we would get a ton more from this going forward. Um, but this is kind of one of those those big first ones that everyone remembers. Um, I, I love all of the the live action footage. I I always love when those are are used in episodes. They always hit for really big gags or are used in a really big way. And I think they knocked it out of the park here. Uh, this episode can seem scary to some kids who don't look like those up-close shots of bugs. Look, that horsefly is absolutely terrifying. I'm not going to deny that. Um, but it makes for a fun episode uh, when you can kind of be a little scared, uh, especially when you know what's going on. Uh, if you're a kid and you just don't like insects, this is probably not going to be an episode for you. But 
Um, if you're at least somewhat interested in insects, can get past the up close shots. Uh, this is an absolutely perfect episode of SpongeBob. It is, it is pitch perfect. Uh, I would say once again, season two continually knocking it out of the park. Uh, I would say this episode, as much as I love it, is about on par with a, a lot of the few, uh, a lot of the past season two episodes we've already watched. I, I don't think that this has excelled upwards in the same amount as the others were continually week after week. So I would say maybe Wormy is the first kind of plateau week where I think the quality just kind of stayed the same instead of going up, maybe going up a little bit because of the additions of those little live action scenes and some of the jokes, maybe I would say, but uh, this certainly isn't a, isn't a down episode. So, and that was this week's episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, and now we're going to move on to the snail mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the snail mailbag. If you would like to write into the snail mailbag, you can. You can send me an email, snailmail at euphonics.com, UFO nyx.com send me your questions send me your comments your suggestions your concerns anything you'd like me to hear anything you'd like me to read out on the show i will do it um so out of this week i actually ran out of emails uh so i reached out to some local fans of the show and i had them kind of send in questions uh that they might want answered uh it certainly helps with uh with content in the show i had a lot of emails to stretch for a few episodes uh that's why at some point i was only doing one an episode um, but literally, any questions Nickelodeon-related, Nicktoons-related, Cartoon Network-related, animation-related, anything you'd like, send me your questions. Uh, but this is a question from Robert from Hartford. What is your favorite part of making this podcast thus far? Um, honestly, one of my favorite things about making this podcast is is reaching out to the fans, um, uh, being in, in conversations with people, with SpongeBob, getting to meet people from around the world. Uh, through our collab with the SpongeBob SquarePants movie Rehydrated, uh, it, it's opened up a whole new level of this podcast because we can talk about the SpongeBob show, we can talk about the news, we can talk about uh, different things in Nickelodeon history and uh, looking up trivia for the show. But it's when you make those one-on-one -on -one personal connections that, to me, have been the the best part of this, and those moments when you can have two people in the world who live completely different lives, different ages, different whatever, but you're you're coming together for the for the same reason of just just being a fan of SpongeBob. Uh it's it's definitely been my favorite part of the show. Uh certainly second to that is is the research part. Uh that's why I added in the the this week in Nickelodeon history section for season 2 because I enjoyed looking up trivia for the show and looking up different things I didn't know. So kind of gave me an excuse to do a little bit more research. I, I do enjoy that part. Um, but yeah, interviewing people, doing research, the, uh, those are my favorite parts of, of doing this show. And if you weren't interested in anything out there whatsoever, I would say you should start a podcast yourself. Uh, use the service I use, Anchor. They've been absolutely wonderful. It's super easy to use. Get a few friends together, get a cheap microphone, make a podcast. It doesn't have to be perfect. That first episode is always going to be a, a hurdle to get through but your your 100th episode you can't get to that without starting episode one and I really wouldn't worry about the quality of those early stuff because the way my show sounds right now is different than it did in episode two or three and it's going to constantly evolve and you're going to constantly get better at it so uh but yeah 
So those are my favorite things about the podcast. Those are my reasons why I think you should make a podcast. And if you do, I'll plug it on here. Send me an email to the snail mail and uh, and we'll get you plugged up on here. That is the Squarecast for this week. Thank you to everybody who continually listens, checks out this show. I really appreciate it. Uh, send me your snail mail. Uh, check me out on all forms of social media. Uh, just search SpongePod Squarecast or I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. You'll easily find us up. Here's to our 50th episode, and here's to 50 more. This show is just not going to stop, so if you're a fan, welcome to the Ready Crew. Uh, if there's anything you can do to support the show in any way, shape, or forum sharing a link uh, uh supporting the show monetarily through anchor anything is appreciated and as always i'll see you next week I'm ready. magic conj will i ever get to meet tom kenny maybe someday oh so you're saying there's a chance okay okay should i tell fans of the show how they can support us yes Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy.